Welcome back to the At Source podcast, powered by Nature Bee, in part two of our episode with Susanna Shelton. Here we are talking all things homeopathy and natural health. Susanna has worked and lived in five different countries, and her passion lies in excellence, integrity, and infinite curiosity when it comes to natural health. She is currently a co-director at the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy in New Zealand and is working to continue innovating how the college provides education and natural therapy and homeopathy with a commitment to wellness and sustainability. In the first part of this chat, we spoke to Susanna about the history of homeopathy, modern medicine and her journey into natural health. Today we're continuing the conversation and getting to the heart of practical solutions and remedies you can use at home. If I was to go and visit a local homeopathic practitioner, what what could I expect? And you did touch on this a little bit with your own experience, but mm. for people mm. who are listening who might be curious, they think there might be you know some good merit around what you're sharing. If they were to take that step, what what would the consult look like? Well, um, I would certainly refer them to the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths. And that's an organization that I also have had a long-standing uh, relationship with um, on their executive committee and education committees over the years. And what we tried to do at the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths is set the registration for professional registration at the same level uh, as internationally. Uh, so we were looking at benchmarks with the United Kingdom uh, and the North American Society of Homeopaths. So if you want to have a very well-trained and supported uh, homeopathic practitioner, check out the NZCH. And then um, you can look at individual uh, practitioners often have their own Facebook page or website, and they'll talk a little bit about what they have to offer. Uh, because many of them uh, have got specific interest as well, like around eating disorders or around uh, um, uh, sports injuries and assistance, etc., so you can find somebody who's got um, a focus that's closer to, to what your needs are. Like a specialist approach. Mm. Mm. And typically the first appointment with a homeopath would be at least an hour. Um, sometimes that first appointment might need to be about an hour and a half because they do a full um, case history, as we call it, uh, which is looking at your medical history, your family medical history, and getting very clear about what your presenting symptoms are. Uh, then the homeopath would prescribe for you and want to see you again, depending on the severity of your uh, presenting complaint, within uh, two to six weeks. Um, for longer term things, we might leave it a bit because we want to see the reaction uh, to the medicine or the remedies that we've prescribed. Is it true, like, just the, just sorry, just to take you back, there was some interesting references to some of those um I guess those 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 remedies and some of them seemed um, just a little bit unusual. Mm, mm, Can you maybe mm. speak to that? Because I think sure. for somebody like myself, when I hear phrases like arsenic, for example, and okay, it's diluted, but my uh -huh. natural reaction is to recoil and I don't understand that. Absolutely. And this one comes back to um, that basic philosophy in homeopathy that if a substance can cause symptoms, it has the potential to heal or cure those symptoms. So some of the, the um, uh, substances which most disturb the human body are, um, are poisonous. And Samuel Hahnemann uh, realized this uh, right back in uh, the um, 18th century 
where arsenic was being used a lot. Uh, and uh, in particular, um, it would cause uh, uh, vomiting, diarrhea in in people that were given it, uh, as well as tremendous anxiety and fear about death. And so um, arsenicum is a remedy that we use with really bad gastro. Okay. But the way that we prepare that um, um, uh, arsenic is you would have to uh, um, consume uh, kilos and kilos of the little uh, sugar pills that we use to um, uh, as what we call remedy or potentized remedies. You would have to eat kilos to even come close to uh, any kind it of impacting toxicity. you. Right, right. So it's the very small trace elements of that that will bring the healing. Because we prepare it in a way um, which is uh, like very systematic, done by um, specialized pharmacists. Uh, and there's a wonderful uh, pharmacy in uh, Rotorua that's been uh, pr- providing homeopathic remedies for New Zealanders for years called Natural Farm. A lot of people would have been familiar with their products and seen them on the shelves uh, in um, traditional chemists as well as in health food shops. I've uh, seen them. Yeah, and there's Similimum, which is a a, um, uh, a homeopathic chemist uh, in Wellington, uh, and they're more of a specialized one for practitioners. Uh, Walida uh, does a range of homeopathic medicines as well. Uh, Celine in Taronga, etc. There's quite a few um, of these specialized pharmacies. Yes. Uh, so they are prepared in a way that's um, uh, quite palatable and quite safe to use. Mm. Uh, but um, it, but sometimes you look at the at the the name of the remedy like arsenicum or another one belladonna. Belladonna is deadly nightshade, um, but it's one of the best remedies uh, in children for fevers, and very safe uh, to take. So all this base knowledge, um, from what I understand, you would call that materia medica. Mm-hmm. It's like this book, this black book of wisdom and this this, this black book of remedies, right? Mm-hmm. What I was interested in understanding was as, as colleagues or peer-to-peer, is this a shared, like an open source shared resource? Because it would seem that the remedies, you know, you know what remedy to make to fix a particular ailment. And this, I understand, is widespread knowledge. But is there a place where you just aggregate all this knowledge and then you're able to access it and share it and use it? In your own practice? Great question. And this is one of the things that really appealed to me as a science geek person was that homeopathy has very um, meticulously recorded uh, clinical cured results um, ever since the time of Samuel Hahnemann. And any new experiments uh, um, of, of medicines that are taken by healthy people to try to find out what symptoms they can produce, therefore, what they're good for uh, medicinally. And that, uh, in the days where print media was the number one way of, of uh, disseminating or capturing uh, knowledge, we would have it like an A to Z. Very right. much like the, the physician's desk reference uh, that we used to see on our GPs. Um, all, all the GPs in New Zealand would have one of those and they would look up, you know, like penicillin. Like under a Rolodex, P. like, you know, A to Z. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, and now this is all online. Uh, so we have the resources also of new um, uh, material uh, going into those online resources. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the textbooks from the past are still very valid because um, there might be some re- um, uh, additional um, uses that have come about. Um, like, for instance, Arnica. Arnica is like one of the best known remedies uh, in homeopathy around the world. It's great for bruises, um, sprains and strains. But, you know, since um, uh, we've been talking about PTSD, yes. uh, we've also found that Arnica can be very helpful uh, in the treatment of some PTSD. Hmm. Like topically? Topically? Topical oh, no, no, no. Um, or uh, um, orally? Uh, uh, orally, um, for uh, people who have never been well since uh, um, either a traumatic um, experience or um, a, a, a very severe injury, uh, it's as if they get stuck uh, at the time of that accident. And they're, uh, even though they might have physically recovered, um, they still will go back to it in their thinking. Kind of and- arrested. They're arrested from that trauma. Mm. And they may be also deeply dissociated uh, from that trauma. And this just helps people to be more balanced and real um, and to heal the trauma on all levels, not just on the physical um, level of tissue repair. Mm. I would say trauma would be a big first world problem. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would have thought alcohol would be a big number two not necessarily mm. in any order, uh, mm. just just from your own experiences uh, working with people. Um, I'd just be interested to hear from you what you think some of the, the more crippling issues are today for people. Stress, maybe? Oh, anxiety, depression, uh, obesity. Uh, you know, these are the ones that, that we, are, we, we know are major problems, uh, particularly in the developed world. Um, but addiction uh, and um, substance abuse huge part of that whole uh, conundrum. Um, and I, how over the years that we've been able to help with homeopathy is to understand uh, and with the uh, medications that we give people, why they might be um, engaged in that suppressive behavior. And a lot of times through the, the interviewing process, it's a very cathartic, uh, reflective process for people, just like any talk therapy. It's kind of ironic because um, homeopaths have been doing talk therapy um, uh, for their human patients right back uh, at the in the 19th century, and always know that that is um, uh, a useful in and of itself. But then finding the best remedy to to help that person um, is the add-on. Uh, and with our animal patients, don't worry about that so much. Okay, so I'm just trying to think of a practical outcome. Say somebody has an addiction. It could be alcohol or substance abuse. Uh, and I'm just thinking about your like-for-like examples and your remedies that seem to match the actual, the actual problem, right? So how would you manage, say, somebody who was addicted to alcohol? Well, you know, it's it, it's always, and anybody who's studied um, alcohol dependency often knows that there's some pretty um, big issues Triggers. around that. Mm. And that there also might be some strong familial uh, and genetic predisposition to that. So we would definitely look at the family history. And, um, we, you know, there's several remedies that come to mind. And a lot of it will depend on, like, what is your drug of choice? 
that they talk about uh, in, um, in addiction treatment, whether it's something to take away your feeling like opioids or is it something to enhance your experience like, for instance, like cocaine addiction? And we would have totally different uh, medicines to consider to help that person in their journey. We would almost universally uh, suggest that they were enroll in a 12-step program because there's such a proven, uh, um, effective um, uh, way of uh, managing um, addictive behavior. Uh, but if, for instance, if somebody was very dissociated, they wanted to not feel all the time, we would look strongly at a homeopathic remedy made from opium. Mm, that's what I thought you might say. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Um, mm. You're probably familiar about the draft report that the World Health Organization who released uh, recently about reducing the impacts of alcohol consumption with mm. a particular focus on children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is one of the, the big worries um, that um, the suppressive behavior um, that comes from substance abuse um, seems to be intergenerational. Mm. And um, if there's a way that we can stop that cycle, uh, break it, um, introduce like healthy behaviors um, I know, uh, like, uh, in my family, we, ha- we make a bit of a joke about being uh, addicted to work. We're workaholics. Uh, and um, uh, it's a, a matter of finding ways to balance that out. Um, and it doesn't mean you stop working. But what can you do uh, to make um, your wellness and your uh, capabilities of um, still being involved but not burning out? Okay, so there's got to be plenty of people listening, listening to us today who go, I'm a workaholic, hand up. So yeah, just give yeah. me three top three tips. What do workaholics do to, I guess, even, even the scales? Mm. Look, uh, one of the uh, really easy approaches to help with um, the uh, tendency to overwork uh, is uh, is meditation, of course, which is not a homeopathic remedy, and that's but that's one of the things that I always ask about people's spiritual practices, um, and do they um, uh, have an experience with visualization, relaxation, etc. Uh, and we try to encourage people to do that as well. And this is just being a, a holistic approach, uh, not necessarily finding the right remedy for that person. Um, but rescue remedy, which many people have heard about, uh, is in the Bach flower remedy range. And the Bach flower remedy range was developed by a homeopathic physician uh, in the UK back in the 30s. And rescue remedy is widely available. And it's one of those things that really helps you to stop and pause. And sometimes when you do that and you feel relaxed, um, I used to um, tell students like it was the homeopathic Valium. Without being addictive, Mm. it gave you a chill factor. And often just having the pause, having the chill gives you a chance to make decisions. Mm. And also in that time of chill, sometimes the, the clarification of what your real symptoms are come to light and you share that with the homeopath, which then gives them more information to prescribe for you. 
Yeah, and that's really interesting because over, you know, we've just had season one of, of At Source and this is the beginning of season two. Oh, cool. uh, but what's actually come through in, in several of the conversations is the power of the pause, that mm. it isn't just about being quiet. It's actually the the revelation that can come out of the pause and by stopping and slowing. And you're the second, if not third person, to talk about the power of making better decisions in that space than if you're just running the whole time. And it's mm. it, you start to see overlaps and common threads coming through in the conversations, and that's certainly one of them. Mm. So mm. very interesting. Gut health is a big topic, right? It's yeah. huge. Mm. And I'm just mm. interested in how, your relationship to that topic and how is that, you know, part of the core of your practice? Mm. Um, I used to always say to our students that I was a closet naturopath uh, and closet nutritionist. And, and that was just, you know, as a bit of a joke, mm. because those things have always interested me, the importance of uh, diet, nutrition, uh, and the interface now that I'm seeing in the scientific literature, like this axis between the gut and the brain that they are so um, intertwined. And, you know, a lot of times we would get very confusing uh, picture of symptoms of patients, of their gastro and their mental emotional health. Mm. And we would not quite understand the interface between them. Uh, and we could uh, certainly get some positive benefits. But if we introduced uh, um, a, a diet that uh, was very supportive of good um, uh, bacteria in the gut, uh, fiber, etc. You know, uh, um, reducing the the processed uh, sugars, etc. Uh, all and diversity, are, right? Absolutely, lots of diversity, seasonal produce, if you can, mm. different eat, colors. Yeah, the eat the rainbow for sure, uh, and. But we've also found that when people make those changes with the reinforcement of good homeopathic treatment, it, it's like they get even more benefit sure. from the change. And it reinforces um, the, uh, the long-term uh, consequences of that. It makes it easier to stick to it as mm. well. Yeah, when you also see results, which which in turn encourages you to keep on, on the path. Mm -hmm. So you did touch on this just a second ago about the impact of stress on gut health. You know, mm -hmm. just, the, yeah, that, you know, they say that the gut has its own brain, but I think, um, you know, our mental or cognitive processes impact our guts. And so stress is obviously a killer, I think, for good gut health. But what have you seen over time in terms of how it just impacts the body in general? Well, from a homeopathic perspective, um, one of the things that I've, I've seen absolutely fabulous results with homeopathic remedies is when the gut has been disturbed from antibiotic treatment. Right. Uh, or from travel, like in places like India, uh, where um, they, or, or, you know, um, um, in uh, Indonesia, etc., where you might be introduced to um, uh protozoa, fungi, or bacteria that you've never seen before and that you uh, have a huge disturbance of your gut um, as a result. And uh, within conventional medicine, there's some pretty severe treatments uh, that are used. And sometimes we get people that come to us where they've had the insult 
of uh, being exposed to uh, um, a gut pathogen, then they've had another layer on top of having some pretty heavy-duty treatment from conventional means, and they just can't get back to um, a good balance. And the homeopathy can help to um, uh, rectify the side effects of medication as well as uh, the initial assault to the the gut from that pathogen, especially if we can identify what it is. It helps us in our selection of the remedy. Yeah, that sounds um, like a really good practical sort of tip, I guess. And that leads me on to my next question, that if mm. you know our listeners did want to try a couple of um, remedies at home, which supports mental health and well-being and, and, and generally speaking, just good health, what mm. would you recommend they try? Um, for the the home prescriber, um, if somebody wanting to like help themselves, the Bach flower system is just magnificently gentle uh, and um, and very effective, and was designed by um, Dr. Bach uh, as something that people could do self reflection, have a list of uh, the um, issues that are core and central to their worries, and then find a corresponding flower remedy. Mm. Uh, so rescue remedy, the one that's the, the most uh, well-known, is for panic and fear uh, and overwhelm. Yeah. But then you'll have um, particular remedies like, I know one I benefited from a lot, is oak. And um, oak is in the Bach flower system for times of significant change. Okay. So oh, that, first, would, that would mean most of us would be taking oak 24-7, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but moving house, um, moving from primary school to intermediate, uh, like in my case, it was when I migrated uh, from the United Kingdom to New Zealand. I took oak at that time with great benefit. Mm. Um, Can so, you tell me how you felt on it? Um, I just felt like my roots had been ripped up when I migrated and that it helped me to like reestablish um, and get my roots down into the soil here uh, and uh, and feel more solid uh, and and grounded. I'm hearing from that that you've that it helped to settle you. Mm-hmm. It did most it was definitely. Settling. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a lovely analogy. And uh, one of the things I'm going to do when we when we leave today's conversation is uh, look into it a little bit more for myself. Cool. It's Very uh, cool. really, really good. I do have um, just a couple of last questions. Um, mm-hmm. One is really, I know you've achieved a lot. I mean, all you have to do is jump onto your LinkedIn profile to see that. And you've done some sort of curveball things as well, and we'll get to that. But I'm just interested to hear from you what's been your biggest career highlight. Well, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, my biggest highlight was um, developing the college. And it wasn't like a one-time thing. It was really over a number of years where uh, we were able to get NZQA approval Mm. and also uh, approval from the Tertiary Education Commission for Student Loans and Allowances. And uh, for me, like securing... Um, the professionalism of, of our qualification and that assuredness for our students was just like a major high. Uh, and I'm, uh, it, it kind of rem- remains the thing that I'm, I'm most um, uh, proud of, of being part of. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that is huge. It's the ultimate recognition, right? Locking mm-hmm. it in and it being, uh, you know, recognised as a, as a professional um, part of the health community and the service that we do, you know, as practitioners. Um, that's fantastic. As an ex-educator, I totally understand that. I um, I was just going to ask you, the names of these remedies sound quite convoluted, almost Latin-based. Maybe you can just tell me a little bit about that, like uh, ver- Veratrium album, right? So <laughs> if I said that correctly. <laughs> yes. Um, or I know that you're involved in bees and honey, um, one of the best uh, um, homeopathic medicines for a histamine reaction uh, is Apis mellifica, which is a remedy made from a honeybee. Uh, so as we know, if you have a bee sting, it can cause localized inflammation uh, and swelling uh, and, and lots of stinging, but it can even cause anaphylactic reactions in those people who are very, very susceptible. So we use apis for those symptoms we call it APIS because it means that if I'm talking to a homeopath in South America, India, the States, um, Holland, we all know which medicine we're talking about. Uh, it's um, it's uh, the, the scientific uh, convention of using Latin um, as our language that we communicate with. And, that's and that goes right back to the beginning. That's a great answer. And so just to wrap that up, is that part of your Materia Medica that we talked about earlier? that those yes. names would sit in there, those scientific conventions for those remedies would all sit in there and there'd be a general understanding around what that means. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to look up aconite, it would be in the A's, um, Apis would be there, um, and Zincum Metallicum would be in the Z's. Uh, so um, yeah, that's the, the format that we use for um, recording the information uh, so that we can all get in there and use it. Interesting, and and it was a lovely example to hear. Say that you know the prescribing the remedy where hive products come in right for the histamine, the antihistamine uh, sort of benefits, if you like. Are there any other times that you would uh, be looking at hive products? Yes, so propolis um, is another one that um, is really a, a naturally antibiotic material that the bees um, uh, create to keep the hives clean. Uh, and propolis is another one of the homeopathic uh, medicines for very severe sore throats. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of times we'll also suggest that people have their manuka honey and propolis uh, uh, as a supplement for good health. And uh, if they're trying to fight an infection, uh, whether it be on a topical thing like a white tail spider bite we think that uh, applying manuka honey is a very important uh, thing to do. But we would also take um, what we call a homeopathic potency of the white-tailed spider. Yes, yes, and add that to the mix. Mm-hmm. Yes. So one is oral and the other is topical. Topical. Really interesting. Thank you, Susanna. The, the last question that I have for you, and I'm curious because you have a scientific mind, clearly. Mm-hmm. You have a rational mind. Uh, I was interested in your... Uh, earlier studies, your bachelor's majoring in religion and economics in mm-hmm. Virginia, and then you went on to do a master's in divinity. In divinity. So this mm. the spiritual world, this uh, other dimension to you, which would not be a scientific, rational dimension. Uh, absolutely, and um, when I look back at it, it um, you know, personal journey, I've always been interested uh, in a spiritual view of the world. And um, the scientific method 
uh, didn't really allow for that very much. And um, they seem to be uh, in uh, completely opposites. But I could see the the interface between them when I got to homeopathy, because uh, I would find that when we gave medicines to people in these provings, that they would have physical symptoms, but they would also have strong mental, emotional, um, or even spiritual um, uh, symptoms or, or insights. And, uh, I, you know, when I see that happen with, uh, with many patients over the years, it often, um, emerges in a clearer purpose. Yeah. And a, a, a stronger, um, existential, if you will, feeling uh, that they um, are, are more grounded, they belong here, and they're clearer on what the next steps are for them uh, for service, uh, to them, for themselves, for other people and their communities. And that just comes straight back to that holistic view, right, of that mm. three-dimensional view of body, soul, and spirit, all three in one. And, I, and I'm listening to you, and what I'm hearing is that um, there's a, a deeper sense of meaning of purpose, mm. perhaps through the insights and the revelation of healing. Is that- and I think, you know, we have our ancestors, um, many of them have got to the point where they've had the privilege of contemplative uh, um, time. And we might call that prayer, we might call it meditation, um, or uh, focus. And often out of that comes great creativity, wonderful ideas, and uh, solutions to problems. And this is probably comes back to that thing that we talked about before about the pause. Because often the pause leads to deeper contemplation and often great solutions come out of that. And yeah. Yeah. when people are well, that happens more readily. Yeah, it happens more often. That's right. What a it's a it's a nice place to end for us to have the pause amplified in that way. And I just wanted to say thank you. How do people reach you? Are you are you consulting yourself or do you put people in touch with a New Zealand industry body if they were looking to find a, a good registered homeopathic person? Who how, how do they get in touch? A with you? And then how do they take that journey a little further? Mm. Um, the best way to contact me is through the college, which is the College of Natural Health and Homeopathy. Uh, and um, if you send a, um, a, an email of, off of our website or inquiry from Facebook, I'll, I'll certainly um, be able to access that. And in terms of practice today, my focus is on supervising senior colleagues uh, and really uh, focusing on the educational uh, side of things. So I love to refer people uh, to uh, my colleagues in the industry uh, because uh, we have some very gifted uh, people in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Mm, Um, And so that would be national or the New Zealand Council of Homeopaths. The New Zealand Council of Homeopaths. Okay, so people can reach you through the college and then Mm. from there get a good steer. Absolutely. Thank Mm. you. Thank you. It's been a wonderful uh, chat today, Susanna, to be able to do a deeper dive into what this all means. I think uh, many insights and and I think some really good takeouts um, 
things that we can think about in our busy daily lives and just look at the three-dimensional roundness of what wellness actually means. So thank you. Take care. I know that you're in Sydney at the moment in regional New South Wales. So take care while you're at home. And I just want to say thank you for the significant contribution today on the At Source podcast. Uh, kia ora to you and ahad anui to everyone. Uh, and uh, yeah, I really wish you well on this uh, second series uh, of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Susanna. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and joining our conversation and stay tuned for more episodes. Please rate, review and subscribe. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact this episode's interviewee. At Source Podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.